say it in words or not, that's exactly what our world is longing to know. That's what this generation and each generation in history has been desperate to discover what is truth. It was being asked in the day of Jesus. And here's the truth. In our world, in this generation, in this culture, in every generation of the past, the world itself, in all of its various cultures, has found it impossible to answer that question what is truth. And so in our generation and culture, they've just basically said, come up with your own truth. Whatever you believe, it's good for you as long as you're sincere and and go with that. But the problem is that doesn't get us to what we long for, a truth that can set us free, a truth that can show us the way, a truth that can connect with, with the greater reality that we were put on this planet for, help us to discover significance and meaning But the good news is that when Jesus walked on this planet, he actually answered that question, what is truth? And we've done significant talks on on the reliability and the intellectual reasonability of, of, of the answer that Jesus gave. But for the purposes of this weekend, it's just vital that you know that in a world that can't answer the question, Jesus did. And his answer has has passed the scrutiny of man's question, and it's, it's passed the test of time. And Jesus told us that truth comes in two forms, and it all comes from the same place, from the one who created us, from God himself. Truth is found in a living expression, and truth is then found in a written expression, both coming from the hand of God. Jesus said very clearly that he himself was the living expression of truth. I mean, he said it. Look look what the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you're going to discover what you're longing for, if you're going to discover the one you're searching for, you need to know, I'm the living expression of truth. What does that mean? It means if you want to see truth lived out in humanity, look at Jesus. 
If you want to know what love's supposed to look like as expressed perfectly in humanity, look at Jesus. If you, if you want to know what forgiveness is supposed to look like as it expresses itself in humanity, look at Jesus. Jesus is the living expression of God's truth. You look at him and you can see the way. You look at him and you can know the way. He's the living expression of truth. But then he made it very clear in his life and in his ministry that, that God has also given us a written expression of truth. God's given us his word in written form. And look at how Jesus said it in John chapter 17. He says, I've given them your word. He's talking to the Father. He says, I've given them your word. And now I'm asking you, sanctify them, redeem them, restore them, renew them by the truth. Your word is truth. Scripture is the written expression of truth. And so in a world that's desperate for truth and a in a world longing for truth, God's given us truth, Jesus and, and his word. And you need to know why we long for it, why that question, what is truth, is so important to us. It's, it's because without truth, we don't know the way. Why is truth so important? Why is it vital that we discover it, we know it, we don't try and author our own truth? It's because when we have God's truth, we literally have the blueprint by which we're supposed to live life. We have the blueprint for living our lives. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. He, he breathes out his word, and it, it becomes useful then for everything we need, for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness in the way we're supposed to live so that, that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we know truth, when we know Jesus, the living expression, and, and the scriptures, the written expression of truth, and we follow them, we, we literally finally have a roadmap for how we're supposed to live. It corrects us when we go the wrong way. It, it puts us on the right way. And, and isn't it interesting, in a world where it seems like everyone's lost, everyone's trying to find the way, there is a truth. And when we follow it, we're no longer lost. We have God's way. And it goes further than that because if we're honest about our humanity, no matter how much we have in our lives, we, we know there's still something missing on our own. No, no matter how much fullness we have in our vocation or our relationships or in our personal economies, the truth is that, that we still have emptiness within. But, but when we know God's truth, Jesus and his word, what happens is we can experience the fullness of God. In fact, not only is it vital that we know the truth so that we have a blueprint for living, it's vital that we know the truth because truth provides for us the way to God's blessing. To know his satisfaction, his purpose, his value in our lives, to, to have meaning in our lives and to have contentment in our lives. Look at how the Bible says it in Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3. It starts with that word blessed and just simply means contented, satisfied, fulfilled is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers who makes up their own truth, but rather the one who's blessed delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he reflects, meditates day and night. And because he's building his life on, on truth, he becomes like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And these last four words, whatever he does, prospers. What is truth, Jesus, and God's word? And what does it provide? A blueprint for life and a way into experiencing what we all long for, God's blessing in our lives, contentment. And when we experience that then, when we really know God and his truth, when we're really experiencing it, we're not supposed to consume it for ourselves and hold on to it for ourselves. We're supposed to share it with others. And this is the, the truth I want you to see. We're in a series right now called 2016 Words. And it's a play on the fact that we at Northridge believe that, that we can sum up what Jesus wants for each of us to experience and then what each of us should then offer to the world. We can sum it up in 16 words. The 16 words are, wake the world up to Jesus, show them his love, tell them his truth, and involve them. And, and it's about first living in it, and then living it out. 
In other words, we have to first of all, as individual followers of Jesus, wake up to Jesus, experience his promise, experience him because he is the truth, experience his word because that's the truth, follow him as the blueprint of our lives so we can experience God's fullness in our lives. He said he came for life and life in the full and, and we have to live in that. But then we have to live it out. It's not enough that we consume it, but we have to share it. And this weekend, we're looking at four of those words. Tell them his truth. And here's the truth I want you to see this weekend. Jesus has called his followers, those who have truly experienced his truth, are living God's way, experiencing God's blessing. Jesus has called his followers to tell the world that truth, to tell the world his truth. It's our assignment, it's our task, it's our purpose in life. Look at how Jesus said it in Matthew 28. In verse 19, therefore go and make disciples, followers of me, out of all nations, Jesus says. And this is the process. Baptize them. Once they become followers of Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then, once they're my followers, once they're my disciples, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Tell them my truth. Help them to follow my blueprint. Help them to know my, my fulfillment in their lives. And as you do this, says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so if we're going to truly be successful in life, I mean, we're going to truly prosper in life, we have to know God's truth and live God's truth. But if we're going to experience fulfillment, we also have to share that truth with others because it's not enough that we have it, the world needs it. And that's really where I want to focus this weekend. And on the fact that if we want what we're longing for to be successful and to be fulfilled in our lives, then, then we need to engage truth in the right way. And here's the first thing you want to you want to be aware of: if, if we're going to be successful and fulfilled in our lives, then we need to know the truth ourselves. And here at Northridge Church, I, I look at we're just a community of people. This isn't about insiders and outsiders. This isn't about people coming in here who've passed a test and so they can be here. This is. We're just a bunch of flawed and broken people, all of who have failed and all who are on a journey of searching for, for life as God designed it for us. And, and it doesn't begin until we know truth ourselves. We have to know the truth ourselves. We have to learn his truth and then start practicing it, living according to his blueprint. And, and as we start stepping into his path for our lives, stop following our own direction, then we start experiencing his fullness in our lives. And look at how he, Paul says it to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, you need to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, to, to live to his pleasure, to live according to his plan for your life, to experience his, his fulfillment in your life. You need to do your best. And, and here's what you need to do. You need to be a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. If we're ever going to become people who bring God pleasure and experience his pleasure, if we're ever going to be successful or fulfilled in the life that we're living, we have to learn how to correctly handle the word of truth. We need to know the truth ourselves. And this is interesting, isn't it? Because most people don't. Did you know there are some Christian religious organizations, churches, that, that actually tell the people don't read your Bible, don't open the Bible, you'll never understand that. It's for us to understand the Bible and we'll tell you what it means. No, it's not right. That's not what this says. This is written to Timothy. He wasn't one of the original followers. He wasn't one of the major apostles or anything. And Paul's saying, look at you if you're going to bring pleasure to God. You if you're going to experience life successfully and in a way that leads you to fulfillment. You have to learn to correctly handle the word of truth. You need to know the truth yourself. And, and yet many of us are dependent and it's okay to, to be taught. God's given teachers and pastors to teach this way, to motivate and to compel, but not to keep you from knowing the truth, but to equip you so you can know the truth on your own. Did you know you should be able to open the word of God and, and hear God speak? You should be able to build a relationship with God that's not defined on someone else. And, and yet many, and this isn't a judgment, this is just an honest truth, many open the Bible and it's just so difficult and complex, they don't know, you know, I don't get it. And when it comes to Jesus, I don't know. And so what they do is they come to a place like Northridge. 
And it's like all of a sudden, it's like, wow, Brad puts these things together and, and puts that stuff together and it makes sense. And we worship and it's like we have Jesus. So we come here. It's almost like we come here hoping that the pastor will like put all of God's truth and its complexity and all of its weird uniqueness and into a Vitamix and mix it together and, and then pour it out in smoothie fashion. So it's like it's too, it's too much work to make the smoothie, but I'll go to Panera and buy one, you know? And so you kind of come to Northridge Church to get your spiritual smoothie. But I'm going to tell you something. Once a week smoothies, you're still going to die young. You know what I'm saying? It's like you need more than that. And the truth is, you can open God's word, you can go to Jesus, and you can hear God speak, and you can be engaged in this, but you, if you're going to experience God's pleasure, need to learn how to know the truth yourself. It's important, and I'll say something about that yet again in this talk, but there's a second thing. If we're going to live successful and fulfilling lives, not only do we have to know the truth ourselves, but we have to tell the truth to others. We have to tell the truth to others. This isn't something we're supposed to keep to ourselves and we're supposed to hide and we're supposed to protect for ourselves so that we can be king of the mountain. No, the only way to be king of the mountain in God's economy is to help everyone else experience the truth of Jesus and his word. We need to help others who are lost to find God's path and God's blueprint. We, we need to help others find the truth so they can experience God's fullness and satisfaction and meaning in their lives. In fact, once again, Paul in the very same chapter in 2 Timothy chapter 2 says this to Timothy. He says, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, the things you've learned, the things you've come to understand from my teaching and from learning yourself to correctly handle the word of truth, here's what you need to do with it. You need to entrust it to other people who will also be qualified to teach other people. Once we know the truth ourselves, we need to tell the truth to others. Did you know this is how it works? Do you know how I have the privilege of knowing Jesus the truth and, and the scriptures that are true? Do you, there's only one way I have the privilege of knowing that, and that's that generations and generations ago, someone learned the truth themselves, and they shared the truth with someone else who then learned the truth themselves and shared the truth with someone else and learned the truth themselves and shared the truth, and it comes to me and it comes to you. But do you know that the truth stops here? unless once we experience it, we share it. People ask all the time, what's wrong with this world? I'll tell you what's wrong with this world. The people who know the truth aren't sharing the truth, and so it's stopping here. A lot of people say, this world's going to hell, and it truly is, but there's a way to get them from hell to heaven, and that's to introduce them to truth, but that's on us. And so once we share the truth, then it can grow. So, that's why we exist. Once we know the truth ourselves, to tell others the truth, to share it with others who will pass it on. But, but I think it's important to break it down a bit. What, how do we share it? Because some say, well, I've told people the truth, but I haven't gone before. I've told them, I've done this. You know, there are ways that we should share the truth, the Bible says. And in this world where, where people are afraid to share the truth because it goes against political correctness, and people are afraid to share the truth because it goes against what most people believe today, we forget that the world has never believed God's truth. The world put Jesus on a cross when he told them the truth. And yet, because they shared the truth, the world was transformed, and we have it today, and we need to do the same thing. But, but if we're going to do that, we need to understand the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that we need to tell the truth to others with confidence. With confidence. Paul, the apostle, when he came to faith in Jesus, literally helped to transform his world then, which was a very evil and immoral and hostile world. And he was able to help change that world because he shared the truth in that world with confidence. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the truth. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. He, he wasn't afraid to share the truth. He shared the truth with confidence. And you know why, right? The truth had transformed his life. He had been in bondage, but the truth set him free. The, 
He had been in despair, but the truth gave him hope. He had been bound by his guilt and his shame, but the truth gave him forgiveness. He, he, he had been desperate to know truth, and he'd lost himself in religion, but then he met Jesus and changed his life. And so when it changes your life, you have confidence that it can change anyone's life. In fact, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. And if the truth can change me, it can change anyone. I'm not ashamed it can change everyone. See, the question is not whether the truth can change people, but whether or not you can tell the truth with confidence. Has it really changed you? Has it really transformed you? Has it really, really set your life on a new path? Are you really experiencing God's blessings? If so, then you can tell the truth with confidence. If not, you hide behind your desk at work or you hide behind your workbench at work or you hide behind your broom at work. You hide behind whatever you work behind or whatever your behind is behind. <laughs> and I would bet for the majority of us here, people at work don't know the truth. The majority of our neighbors don't know the truth. The majority of our friends and family don't know that. They don't even know we know the truth. If we're going to change the world, we have to tell the truth with confidence. But in order to tell the truth with confidence, we have to know the truth with the confidence that it's changed us, do you? If we're going to tell the truth, not only do we tell it with confidence, but we need to tell the truth with relevance. You know, I grew up in Christian religion. And because of it, I rejected God. I, I, I didn't understand a word they were saying. I grew up in the, I grew up like in the 70s. This is the post-hippie, post-sex revolution, post-drug revolution. This is a crazy world. And you know, the church I went to, they were speaking Shakespearean. I didn't understand. Thee, thou, thouest. I had no clue. They had secret codes and secret handshakes, and they were all built upon 15th century, 12th century, 4th century. Did you know when Jesus left heaven, he didn't speak the language of heaven. He spoke the language of that culture and that generation so they could understand in relevance the truth. And so what we're committed to here is let's speak in the language of our culture so people can know the truth today. And so that's why we do things the way we do. We need to tell the truth with relevance. We, we have to stop answering questions no one's asking, and we have to start answering the questions people are asking with the truth of Jesus Christ, because when that happens, God can change their world. What is truth? If we're going to communicate the truth in the way that it impacts the world, then we have to, we have to tell the truth to others with without compromise, without compromise. And, and this is where it starts getting tough for us. Because we live in a world that's hostile to the truth of God, and it doesn't like many portions of the truth of God. And, and so we kind of, ooh. They basically say, you know, we don't mind you being a Christ follower, but, but just don't tell us those old truths that don't make sense in our lives. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from what I command you, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Do you know what happens when you subtract something from God's word to make it more palatable to the world? Do you know what happens to the truth? It's no longer the truth. Do you know what happens when you add to the truth to make it more palatable to the world? It's no longer the truth. And what we're doing then is offering the world our own truth. And our own truth is worth nothing. God's truth can change the world. And so we need to tell the truth without compromise. Compromising God's truth in big or small ways has always been what's destroyed the work of God in our lives and led to regret. No matter how right it felt in the moment to compromise the truth. Adam and Eve are the ones that originally fell away from God and, and brought sin into this world. And they only did it not because they were trying to totally reject God, but because they were trying to compromise his truth. The evil one came and said, you know, a lot of the God said was okay and all that different stuff, but this was, you know, you're not going to die. In fact, if you eat from this fruit that he told you not to eat, you, you're going to be like God himself. This is awesome. And so they believed the compromise of truth, which was a lie, and as a result, they destroyed the work of God in their lives and the world. And it led to regret. And the same thing happens in our lives today. We're living in a day that wants us to 
to leave out the things they don't like from God's truth, to explain away God's truth, to make it acceptable to them. But if we want to experience God's best in our lives, we can't do it, no matter how it feels, because the minute you leave something out or add something to, it's no longer the truth. And so we have to experience God's truth without compromise and then tell it without compromise. And if we're going to ultimately truly experience God's truth and tell God's truth the right way, then we need to tell God's truth in love. In love. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. And I, it sounds easy and it sounds good, right? Yeah, speaking the truth in love. Yeah. The only problem, this is really tough. This is not easy, and I'm going to tell you, most people don't do it. Speaking the truth in love is where the tension is, and, and if we're going to genuinely know and follow Jesus, we have to learn to live in this tension where truth and love are one and the same. I mean, you, you can't separate love from truth or you don't have truth, and you can't separate truth from love or you don't have truth. You have to have truth in love, and many don't. In the name of Jesus, they don't. I mean, some, and you've probably heard them, some speak the truth without love. Ever heard that kind of person? They speak the truth, they say the words right, they get the words right, but they do it without love, which means they're not speaking truth at all, because truth without love is not truth at all. We have to speak the truth with love, but some speak love without truth. Well, I love this person. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I love this person. I don't want to say that. I love this person. I don't want to make them mad. I love this person. I don't want them to reject me. I love this person. I don't want to do that. Which means you can't speak the truth because love without truth is no truth at all. And it's no love at all. Because if you really love someone, wouldn't you tell them the truth? Jesus spoke the truth in love. He didn't compromise on either. I want to give you the example. There's a story, and you can read it, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. It's a story about how the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were people who spoke the truth and claimed the truth, but they did it without love. And because Jesus was speaking the truth in love and loving broken and hurting and failed people, those who spoke the truth but compromised love wanted to take him out, and so they thought a good way to do it would be to show how he didn't live the truth. And so they literally went. They didn't care at all about human beings. They spoke the truth without love. And so they went and found a woman actually in the act of adultery and yanked her out in whatever state of, of dress she was in and threw her in the street as if she was someone who didn't matter. Because for them, see, she didn't matter. The truth was important, but love wasn't. And, and at his feet, this adulteress was, and they said, the Bible says that the person who sins like this woman should die. And trying to get him to compromise, they said, so what do you say? And he, he said, you're right. You're absolutely right. It says the person who sins should die. And so here's the deal. Whichever one of you hasn't sinned, kill her. And what he was saying is, you love to take the truth about other people's sin and judge them on it, but you don't like to acknowledge the reality of your own sin. You deserve the thing, same thing she does. And they all split. And then he picked her up and he spoke love and truth into her life. And I, I want you to see how he did it. Jesus spoke the truth with love, but he changed the tenor of love depending on the person. Jesus spoke the truth to the Pharisees with tough love. I mean, look at John chapter 8, verse 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. Okay, you who think you could kill her and get away with it, if you have no sin, go ahead. But if you have sin, you better split because you deserve to die just as much. That's tough love. And you know, there are a lot of people in this world who speak truth without love, who aren't speaking truth at all, who need someone to love them enough to say, you know what, you think you're like Jesus, but you're nothing like Jesus. And that's what Jesus was doing. And You know, it made the Pharisees really happy. They fell in love with him and followed him and 
nailed them to a cross and killed them. You know, that kind of stuff. But Jesus spoke the truth to them toughly because he loved them. And if we're going to tell the truth, we have to tell the truth with love, and sometimes it takes tough love. But you know, it's interesting because the woman was in a very different place. She was a, a woman who was broken and hurting and desperate for love, so desperate that she was ruining her life. And, and Jesus wasn't going to speak tough love to her. You know what he did? He spoke gentle love to her. I mean, it was really gentle. I mean, not only did he protect her from those religious people, but look what he says in John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I mean, why, where have they gone? And she said, No one, sir. And then Jesus looked at her and said, Neither do I condemn you. I love you. I understand your brokenness. I understand what you've been through. I understand the darkness. I understand that your desperation. I don't condemn you. But then look what he says. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus loved this woman, but he spoke the truth. He, he didn't love her so much that he didn't want to hurt her feelings and tell her she might be making some bad choices. She, he didn't love her so much that he, he wasn't going to tell her that she was making choices that was destroying the work of God in her life. He didn't say, I just love you, it's awesome. Hey, it's your, it's your body, your choices, good for you, that's awesome. He said, I love you, but I love you so much that I'm unwilling to leave you without the hope that can bring about redemption in your life. You need to call it what it is, it's sin, and you need to leave it. Really powerful. What was the result for this woman? Well, the result for this woman was she found life. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so this woman, whom everyone else was speaking the truth to without love, finally heard the truth in love, and it transformed her life. But what was the result for Jesus? The result for Jesus was the cross. Because he spoke the truth in love, he was nailed to a cross. Though he loved perfectly, they saw him as a hater for telling the truth. And I just need you to know, the same is happening today. If we don't affirm people, if we don't agree with them about their values, their lifestyles, their choices, their truth, no matter how much we genuinely love them, no matter how much we genuinely care about them, no matter how much we genuinely embrace them, no matter how much we genuinely want to be a part of their life, they call us haters because they don't want the truth. They want affirmation. And that's what went on in Jesus' life. And here's what Jesus teaches us. If we genuinely love people, we will tell them the truth, even if it means they reject us. We can't let empathy, our love and compassion for people, determine our truth. Because if we do, we won't tell people what they need to hear. We'll tell people what they want to hear, which means we won't be telling them truth at all. And so we have to put ourselves at risk like Jesus did. And we have to care deeply and have empathy, but we have to still tell the truth. Because if we don't, it leads to having no truth at all, and it makes it impossible to help the very people we say we love. Nor can we stand on and fight for truth without loving people like the religious leaders did, because I'm going to tell you, when you speak truth without love, that's not truth at all. It's worthless. It's impossible to genuinely speak the truth without love. It's impossible to genuinely love without speaking the truth. We have to, as Jesus did, speak the truth in love. And, and it's true. Speaking the truth in love opens us up to conflict on every side. You understand why people choose truth and compromise love and truth choose love and compromise truth, don't you? Because it gives them safety. When you, when you claim truth without love, everyone on the truth side is with you and the only enemies you have are the people on the love side. There's only one side of your life open for attack. When you choose love without truth... 
You're embraced by everyone around you, and the only people that you're in conflict with are the truth people over there, and you can stay away from them so your life can be comfortable and convenient even though you don't experience the power of the truth. But when you, when you ex express and experience truth in love, you have enemies on every side. The truth people attack you because they have no love, and the love people attack you because they have no truth, and you're in the center. And for Jesus, it meant the only place left on earth was a cross. And it seems like a failure, and it seems like you're going, are you really trying to convince us to tell people the truth and then to tell us there's only a cross left for us on earth? Yeah, well, you, kind of. It's kind of what I'm doing. Because Jesus says, you can't be my followers unless you bear your cross. And it looks like loss. I mean, he died on that cross. It looks like loss, but it wasn't. Because you see, when you live and love in the truth, you're experiencing God's blueprint and you're experiencing God's blessing, which means even when you experience the loss of everything positive from humanity, you experience everything that God the divine has for you. And that's why Jesus rose again. And when we experience living in love and truth, that we can experience the hatred of the world, we'll experience the love and blessings of God, and we'll experience the supernatural touch in our lives that gives us, in the midst of despair, hope, in the midst of darkness, light. You see, we can experience God's best only one way, by living in truth, in love. Jesus was ultimately exalted. And so people may reject us, but God will be pleased. And if we're going to wake the world up to Jesus, then we have to tell them his truth. So I, I want to just give you a conclusion and let this kind of germinate in your life as you leave here this weekend. I, I, here's the conclusion. If we're going to be successful in life, if we're going to be fulfilled in life, if we're going to really know the truth and tell the truth, then here's what we need to do. We need to commit to knowing and telling God's truth for ourselves. You may be going, this is about for others, right? This is about for others. No, we need to commit to knowing and telling God's truth first for ourselves because knowing God's truth for ourselves gives us access to God's blessing and telling the truth to others gives us the fulfillment of knowing that we're living our purpose. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me, Paul says. He's saying, I know God created with me with value. I know that my life has great worth in God but I consider my life to be wasted unless I finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of telling the gospel of God's grace to the world, of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Do you know what he realized? He realized that his life would be worthless and wasted unless he knew God's truth and shared it with others because if he didn't, he wasn't fulfilling his purpose. And that's why so many of us feel so insignificant and lack so much value in our lives. We need to know and commit to God's word and then to sharing it ourselves. And in Northridge, we can't do it for you. I mean, I can, I can mix up a little bit of truth, put it in the Vitamix, and give it out to you on the weekend. But, but the truth is, it would be better if I helped you to get into the truth yourself. To know how to open the Bible and experience God speaking, to, to pursue Jesus and truly have a relationship with him that's real and dynamic. And so that's what we want to do. And we, since this series began, did something called 16 by 16, where we asked you to take 16 minutes for 16 days and, and spend some time in God's word, and we sent you verses. And now we want to take it a step further. We actually want to, for 16 minutes, for 16 days, help you to start growing in and knowing tools where you can open up the Bible and it can start coming alive for you yourself. We want to start giving you some of the tools that can make it come alive for you. To do that, of course, we have to be connected. And I can't think of the reason you wouldn't want to know is truth. I can't think of the reason you wouldn't want to share it. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I, I, I never do this, but I actually have my cell phone on the platform. I was expecting a really important call. That's not why. It's because I'm going to ask if you, most of you, almost all of you have one of these somewhere on you. Could you just reach down and get it just for a minute? Because this can become a tool through which you can commit to knowing and then ultimately telling God's truth. Just take that cell phone out. And here's what we've done. We've made it possible for you to communicate with us 
through your cell phone and us communicate back. And we are going to, not Monday, this Monday, but next Monday, February 15th, we are going to start through texting or emailing, which you choose, we are going to start sending you principles and practices, tools for opening God's Word up and a couple passages to do it and help you start learning how to do it yourself. And all you have to do is text. The number is 313131. Just text 313131. That's the number. And then in the body of the text, just put 16 words. Not 16 space words. 16 words. That's all you have to do in the body of your text. And then you'll hear back from us. And then a week from Monday, February 15th, we'll start sending you these things. Now, I, I, I want, I, not everybody likes to text. Um, not everyone has a texting program that's free. And so if you don't want to do texting, then all you have to do is take out the program we gave you, take out the connection card, and there's a little notes place. Uh, you don't even fill all this stuff out. All you have to do is put your email address just your email address right there, and there are boxes in all of our regional campuses. Just throw it in there, and we'll, we'll send you the information via your email. Why is this important? Because when you know the truth, it can change your life, and then you can start telling others that truth. Now, I, I, I get what's going on. Some, some of you are here going, yeah, I know what you're doing. You're trying to get my cell phone number. You're trying to get my email address so you can start dumping your crap into my digital porch. No, we're not. There's only one thing you're going to get from us, and that's these tools to start opening up God's Word for yourself for 16 days so you can start growing. And I also know what some of you are saying. You're saying, I'm not going to do that. And you're saying, I'm not going to do that because you're asking me to do it, and I never do anything anyone asks me to do. And I understand that. I'm that kind of a person. I'm not a joiner. But let me just ask you, do you have a full understanding of what it takes to know Jesus and know his word? Do you have all the tools you need in your quiver to get that done? If the answer is no, why wouldn't you let us give you a couple of ideas? Why wouldn't you grow with us? And can I just say, what are you going to lose by texting us or, or doing this email? What are you going to lose? Because if you don't like it after three days, you can tell us to cram it and stop those texts from coming. There's an escape for you. So let's do this together and try and grow forward. Now, one last thing. If we're going to be successful and fulfilled in our lives, then we need to commit to knowing and telling God's truth for ourselves, but also for others. Let me share a verse, and then I'll bring this thing down, and we're going to end. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, God's love is available for everyone. God's truth is available for everyone. People are screaming out what is truth, and it's available for everyone, but how can they call on the one they've not believed in and how can they believe in one they've not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That word isn't like preaching like I'm doing. It's heralding, it's sharing, it's proclaiming, telling them the truth. How can they know if we don't tell them? They can't. And so I, I want to lay out a question for you. What truth has God touched you with in your life that you haven't shared with someone who needs it? What truth have you experienced that's impacted your life that you haven't shared with someone else who could benefit from it? Do you realize that you're the obstacle to them experiencing what God wants for them? And so I challenge you this week, it doesn't have to be, I, I don't care what truth it is from God's word, but if, if you have a truth and you know someone who needs that truth, why don't you take the risk to share that truth with them and see how God uses it to dramatically in potential change them it might not change them they might reject you but you still are doing that which will bring pleasure to God and so I challenge you with that know God's truth tell God's truth in love would you pray with me God in heaven I thank you so much for this moment in time I thank you that you're our God and that you haven't left us to discover truth on our own, that you aren't playing hide-and-seek with us, that, that you have given us a living example of your truth, Jesus, and then you've given us the written word through which you've shared with us the blueprint for life and the way we can experience your best. And I ask that each of us here will commit 
to knowing and telling your truth for the benefit it'll bring into our life and for the benefit it'll bring to others. And I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if, I mean, if you're here and God's doing a work in your life, you'd like to pray with someone, you'd like someone to talk with you at, at our regional campuses, Northridge Brighton, Northridge Grosseal, and Northridge Saline, and here in Plymouth, we have a prayer team that meets up front after the service is over. And so if you'd like to talk to someone or pray with someone, just come forward at the end of the service and just sit up here and the prayer team will engage you. But right now, I, I, we're going to end in worship. And so for our regional campuses, Northridge, uh, Northridge Brighton, uh, we're so glad that you all are there. And Northridge Grosseo, we're so glad you're there. Northridge Saline is meeting as well. I, I appreciate the campus pastors and all they're doing to bring the Northridge mission alive in your setting. And I'm going to pass it right off to them right now so they can tell you a few things before you end in worship. And here in Plymouth, I, I, I have to just tell you, I am so grateful for you. It is so exciting to watch you grow, to engage these things, to be impacted. There is such a buzz going around. This is interesting. There's a buzz going around Northridge right now, and it has nothing to do with pot. It's just an amazing gig. It's like there's this spiritual high thing that's going on, and I'm so excited about what's happening, and I want to thank you for engaging the truth and growing in it. And I, I, I can't wait to grow together. But, but I, I, Easter's coming, and uh, Easter's just, you know, weeks away. And I want you to know, we kind of gave you a little touch of it, and we're going to end with a touch of it here in Plymouth. We have 10 services in Easter here in Plymouth, and we have services, two services at each of our regionals. And here in Plymouth, for Easter, Stickyard is going to be here. And we're really, really excited about that. They're awesome. Good job, guys. They're working up some original stuff with our team. It's going to be phenomenal. You're going to want to tell everyone you know and get them here for Easter. It's going to be great. But look, we're talking about knowing God's truth, and we know it. We know God's blessing. We're talking about sharing God's truth so that others can know it, so that we can all know this truth. Our God is great. Let's worship him. In humble adoration 
Awesome God. Hallelujah. Come on, give it up for Sick Yard. Thank you for worshiping with us. Don't forget to invite your thems, your friends, and your family for our Easter services. Sick Yard will be our special guest. We love you. God bless you. Have a great, great week. 